If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Calls Cloud Business Phone Service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, that is right. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. And I am your host, Todd Huff. Email, as always, Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. You can email your thoughts, questions, opinions. And yes, if I, as I've said before, I'll even accept your lavish adoration and praise. It is a pleasure to be here. Hope you had a great weekend. Hitting the ground running here today. You know, I guess off the top, off the top, I want to spend just a moment here talking about reopening, um, which appears to be the direction that many states are now headed, reopening our economy and returning as best as possible. Look, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of unknowns at this particular point, but uh, moving towards moving towards normalcy is something that has to be has to be done. We have to be careful. We have to monitor. We have to you know make sure that there's not a a wide scale outbreak. Um, but this has to be this has to be done. So here in our region in Indiana, I'm interested to see what happens. With uh, with what government uh, Governor Holcomb decides to do regarding specifics, um, our stay-at-home order here uh, locally, and you may be listening in a number of other states. Um, I just wanted to briefly touch on our situation here, and some folks listen around the globe, so it may not even none of this specific. Uh, the coronavirus is global, right? Global pandemic, but. This um, state shutdown and stay-at-home stay order and that sort of thing may not apply to you, depending upon where you are. But um, ours expires here May 1st, which is the end of this week. So we will see what happens. I, I'm a little bit torn at this point, um, not as to what I think is the best thing to do, but rather what I believe we might do. And this is a little concerning to me because I know we're part of this group of states. Again, it's Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, Michigan, Indiana, Kentucky, and Ohio. Only two states in that group have Republican governors, which only matters because this thing has been totally 100% politicized. You know, there's always political undercurrents and undertones, but we've moved way past that into all-out uh, just making this about politics. And so 
I know Illinois has extended their stay-at-home order through May 31st. Makes you wonder what the next steps will be here in our state as we try to get out of, uh, move our way out of this safely. And safely, of course, is important because we don't want wider scale problems, but we're learning a lot of stuff along the way. So we'll talk about that as the program comes together. I just wanted to mention it off the top. I wanted to start today. I wanted to start today um, talking about Tara Reid. Now, I've mentioned this. I've alluded to this. I've talked a very, very little about this, but I have spoken about it somewhat. And Tara Reid, Tara Reid is, uh, she worked on the Biden campaign back in the 90s, back in the 90s. And this story has been out for some time. This story has been out for some time. In fact, I can post on Facebook here. I can post on Facebook the initial story, which was published, I believe, in The Intercept. Yeah, I believe it's in The Intercept here. I'm going to have to dig to find this here. This morning I was just looking at it earlier. But um, the original story was published back in, I think it was in March. Um and she was also she was also interviewed on a podcast, which you know I've considered playing parts of that on here before. I'm just going to say it's it's awfully graphic, and I'm not I don't really want to play it if I'm being quite honest with you. And I want to be fair. I want to be fair. That's one of my I tell my kids that's the four letter F word. But I, I want to be just here and, and consistent in how we deal with this and manage this uh, these allegations because I'm. Reminded of what happened about 18 months ago with Justice, now Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh, and how that transpired. And I want to keep that in mind as we look at this, um, look at this situation with um, with Tara Reid and Biden. But essentially, Tara Reid says that Biden um, effectively, I'm going to. I don't want to get into the again the details of this, but she was approached by Biden. I believe she was in her hotel room, <clears throat> and this was back in the early '90s. Of course, Biden's been around politically um, for half a century. He's been around in politics um, pretty much since the time. Uh, ever since he could be in politics with the age requirements and so forth. But he's been in politics for half a century. So this goes back to the 90s. She was working on his campaign, and he effectively um, walked in, backed her up against the wall, did some incredibly, and allegedly, look, I'm, I'm trying to be just and consistent here because this is these are the allegations, backed up against the wall, and if I'm being honest and, and depict this correctly, um, it is technically statutory rape is what happened, allegedly. Allegedly, if this turns out to be the case, because, again, there's things I don't want to talk about on this, pro- on this program. And, um, but suffice it to say that um, his hand went places it shouldn't have gone and when she didn't respond the way that he wanted her to she uh he looked at her and he said matt i thought you liked me man 
I think you said you're dead to me or something. You're, you, you don't matter to me, something like that. That's the story. I'll post the uh, the original story on Facebook if you have not yet have not yet read it. So that's been out there for a little time. No, no real interest in the media. I mean, you've not seen. You can only imagine, right? You just compare this to even. Um, the allegations made against Trump will say Stormy Daniels, just as an example, which if the allegations are true are, are awful, right? Trump would have been married to Melania. It would have been shortly, I believe, either Melania would have been pregnant with Barron or slightly after if that was – if this is accurate. Um, th- those are the allegations anyway that the two had a consensual relationship. Um, and, of course, Trump – paid hush money uh, to to Stormy Daniels, and you know what all has come from that. But in this case with, with <clears throat> Tara Reid, there's not been any interest in the media. There's not been any desire to dig around on this. In fact, over the weekend, um, interviews were being uh, conducted with potential vice presidential candidates that Biden might be picking. Of course, we know he's going to be picking a woman, he's told us this, which look, as, as I've said before, we should, I mean, just, just think about that. He doesn't, he doesn't have any idea at this point, or at least when he made the statement, who the most qualified person was, which again is a bit naive because we know that they're not looking for the most qualified person. They're looking for the person that's going to give them the most political advantage. And that's why, and I'm going to say this and don't take this out of context because I'm not suggesting as Oz is sitting here with me, um, she can hold me accountable to this, but I'm not suggesting that a woman can't be, shouldn't be, isn't qualified for president. I'm simply saying that to announce um, that you're going to nominate, or I guess you could say choose a, a female to run as your as your running mate, you're announcing that you're trying to politically take advantage of gender in this election. I, there's there's no other way around that. Again, it has nothing to do with whether or not the person is actually competent, although given that they are running with today's Democrat Party, the chances of their competency is actually approximately zero. But be that as it may, it's not because of gender. It's because of the ideology that's promoted um, in the Democrat Party today. But none of these folks that were taking the you know the the interview circuit over the weekend. Stacey Abrams, Amy Klobuchar, they were not asked about Tara Reid. Now, what also happened over the weekend? What also happened over the weekend is a clip surfaced. Someone did a lot of digging and research, and they found a clip from Larry King Live. That's right, August eleventh, nineteen ninety three. Nineteen ninety three. Some of you listening to my a voice right now weren't even potentially born in 1993, but Larry King uh, takes a caller that was later uh, Tara, or excuse me, yes, Tara Reed uh, on Twitter acknowledged that this was in fact her mother. So this uh, Tara Reed's mother calls into Larry Reed, excuse me, Larry King back in August of 1993. August of 1993, alluding to her claims made against Biden. She does not mention mention Biden in this clip by name, but once we've heard the allegations that have been 
again, shared with us by The Intercept and via the podcast that I'm referencing here, um, it's clear who, in fact, her mother is talking about. So I want you to hear this again. If this, I just, just imagine if this happened to Trump or Pence or, I mean, take your pick of a Republican here. And, and rightfully so, if this did happen, this should be covered in the media. But there's not a, not a peep about this. No concern, no interest, no curiosity. Here is the soundbite where Tara Reid's mother called into Larry King Live, August 11th, 1993. Here it is. We're back. A couple more phone calls on this very important topic. Our guests are former United States Senator Howard Baker, Richard Allen, former National Security Advisor, and Lois Romano of the Washington Post. San Luis Obispo, California. Hello. Yes, hello. Um, I'm wondering what um, a a staffer uh, would do besides go to the press in Washington. My daughter has just left there. Uh, after working for a prominent senator and could not get through with her problems at all. And the only thing she could have done was go to the press, and she chose not to do it out of respect for him. Or she had a story to tell, but out of respect for the person she worked for, she didn't tell it. That's true. But these are the people who do come to the Lois Romanos, right? The Mm -hmm. staff worker who says, I want to let you know about what's going on, either with my boss or the guy down the hall. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these people have a sense of obligation. They feel that this public official should be accountable if it's something... Okay, so basically, basically the segment was designed, um, was set up to talk about what someone can do if they have an allegation against some uh, powerful individual in Washington, D.C. in politics, congressman, senator, president. Of course, this goes back to... um, well, the 90s and Bill Clinton and so forth. But so this this segment was designed to take let's take callers to discuss this issue. And Tara Reed's mother calls in and says, "My daughter had something happen to her. Um, what other recourse does she have have besides going to the media?" So here's someone that clearly did not want to go to the media. You think about this. You think about this. I mean, there's not been a desire to take this to the media out of respect, she says, for the unnamed. I don't Did she say senator? She might have said representative. I don't know what she said, but she might have said senator. So she didn't want to make this public. She tried to do this the right way. Um, Something really bad happened. She doesn't know what what to do. Um, And it doesn't seem like there's any recourse other than going to the media, to which the guest basically said, yeah, that's that's kind of what we're here for. Of course, they, what they didn't say is we're really concerned about the political party of the person that might have allegations brought against him. So anyway, but this happened over um, – all this stuff happened since we last got together. But there's no interest here, no interest whatsoever um, getting to the bottom of Tara Reid, and I don't expect that to change at all either. So that being said, I've got to take a time out. More on this and – On the state of the economy reopening and that sort of thing, coronavirus, COVID-19 here as the program comes together. Quick time out. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. 
Welcome back. So, I've been talking here a little bit this morning about Tara Reid. She has accused Democratic nominee. It's unofficial, but official. Unofficial nominee for the Democrat Party, Joe Biden. Uh, she's accused him him of, uh, candidly, I mean, it's rape is what it is. Back in 1993 when she was a staffer on the campaign, we shared last segment um, soundbite of her mother calling in to Larry King Live August of 1993, basically asking, what other recourse does someone like my daughter have uh, besides going to the media? She has too much respect, again, um, respect for, for Biden. She didn't mention Biden by name, but at the time, Biden was a senator, right? senator back then, right? I could be could be wrong. He could have been representative then. Either way, either way, he was in office, and these were the allegations. Her mother called in basically saying, what do we do about this? Because she respects him. She doesn't want this effectively to become something that's out in the media. She just she wants to deal with this the right way, and um, but she doesn't know where to go. She doesn't know uh, what to do. And so the guest on Larry King Live said, you know, that's basically what we're what we're here for because there are not a lot of avenues for women to take in reporting these sorts of situations. So nothing happened then. Nothing happened back a year or so ago when uh, there was a what a candidate in Nevada or Nevada that was running for Congress. By the way, you may not realize this. There's been eight women. Eight women. Now, in today's world of sound bites and headlines in media, what we're supposed to focus on is simply the number. If eight women, if eight women came out against Trump, and there's been multiple women who've come out against Trump, it's just not. Uh, it's not eight. Not eight. I mean, we have Stormy Daniels. We have. Uh, I'm drawing blanks on a couple of the names here, but there's been a couple. I think maybe three. So Biden has eight, eight. So I guess if we're uh, looking at this the way that the media does, he's three times as you know guilty or whatever. This is the way that they go about reporting these things. So, but in, in 2019, someone running for Congress said that Biden touched her inappropriately. This caused other women to come forward. Tara Reid came forward as well, but nothing, nothing really happened there. Again. She's been dealing with this since 1993, which is, what, almost, uh, well, 27 years ago. So she talks with The Intercept, which, again, I'll post here on Facebook after this break. Back in March, that is when really the first time that her particular story made it out, some of the details. And then she was interviewed on a podcast. I'll pull the name up of the podcaster here to give credit um, appropriately to the correct. It's uh, Katie Halper, the Katie Halper Show. So even this, so on one respect, this goes back you know, to 1993 when they've been at least trying to find ways to uh, make known what happened or what is alleged to have happened between her, well, with Joe Biden and his alleged assault on her back in 1993. So... They've made a couple of attempts even in recent times to bring this out, and even it's it's been 
it's it's ramped up here in the past month or so. End of March <clears throat> again is when this as when this news um, you know hit the intercept. So nothing, no interest in the media. What's I mean, literally no interest. Next to zero interest in the media with all this stuff. There's no there's no curiosity. There's no desire to talk about this when a vice presidential potential vice presidential running mate is being interviewed by one of uh, you know one of the Sunday show hosts. There's no question about this. I mean, it's just it's per, it's really peculiar when you factor in a the Me Too movement and then b. Biden saying that this is time, you know, it, we're going to have a, a, a female vice presidential candidate for the Democrat Party, which is great. I don't – I mean, whatever. I'm not – I think you should focus on someone uh, to be the, you know, the person that's uh, chosen should be qualified first, not based upon their gender. In fact, I can only imagine if you said it's time for a <laughs> – to keep a male vice president, which I know is a different story. But at the same time, it's just uh, something doesn't set well. With this, anyway, so he's out there. He's going to pick a female vice president. So it's about gender. It's about you know we're, we're in the in the wake of the we, uh, Me Too movement, and nothing, no questions, no curiosity. It's like it's not even like it's a different subject matter. These things intersect uh, when you talk about politics and gender. This is this is something that should come up, especially especially when the candidate that you're running with potentially, is going to be, well, has been alleged to have done these things. And there's eight women. No questions about this. No questions whatsoever about this. It just seems a little bit peculiar. You know, if you compare and contrast this with how Brett Kavanaugh was treated, remember, and I know, I know there has been so much that's happened since Brett Kavanaugh, and that was back in, what, September, October of 2000 and. 18, right? So we're looking at about 18 months ago. That's how long ago that happened. But you, it's easy to forget some of these things. One, one, do you remember that someone went to, um, well, Christine Blasey Ford, we later found out, went to uh, Senator, was it Senator Feinstein? And she sat on that for a while, um, you know, and then, so, so someone comes to the senator. She basically, uh, helps and, and coaches coaches her on what to to do, and I don't even necessarily mean that in a negative way. Although I think it's clear um, there was some political posturing and positioning going on there. Again, you can say that even without without even talking about the veracity of the claims, just the way that this was handled from the beginning. And the first time we really hear much about this is in a confirmation hearing before the. Senate uh, Judiciary Committee. That's where this was basically tried, uh, the Christine Blasey Ford. And if you look at that, I mean, you just think about how they waited for the the most politically opportune time to release that, and how the you know uh, the coaching or the direction was given. They they kept that information back from the media. Remember, I remember saying at the time, there's channels for this. There's channels that they could have taken, and they did not take them. Instead, they waited. They waited until this could make the most, the biggest political mess possible, and that's what they did. This, on the other hand, 
because it's not politically advantageous for this story to come out. This story never sees the metaphorical light of day. This story is not even it, – it's they pretend as though it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist because there's no questions or curiosity. Why would they have questions or curiosity about something that doesn't that doesn't exist? And you might you might think, you might remember that when people talk about the Me Too movement, they say that women should always just be believed automatically just for what it is. And um there's there's danger to that as well. Again, there are it's a very small minority, but there's certainly a minority of people that um, especially when you're talking about politics, uh, make things up. And there's been examples of this. So we just have to be careful. I mean, we don't just believe somebody because of their gender, but they should be heard. I think we, we can agree upon that. And the question is, why is there no interest in hearing her story? Why? And the answer is obvious. The answer is right there as plain as day for everyone to see. For the people who want to criticize Fox News, for the people who want to criticize Fox News, it appears that Fox is about the only outlet. Now, there's others that I've seen maybe begrudgingly coming to the scene to talk about this. Some are actually now saying she deserves to be heard, and they're right. She does deserve to be heard. It doesn't mean that we automatically believe them, but it does mean that we're dealing with a situation that's relevant to the American people at this point, relevant to the American people um, as to what type of person we want in the White House. And the question should be asked. It should not be glossed over, ignored, buried, and so forth, which is what's happened since 1993. I mean, you think about it. If there was a phone call to CNN, Larry King with... with um, with Christine Blasey Ford or whatever. And again, different circumstances, I understand. But can you imagine? Can you imagine? There's already there's already more evidence in this particular case to cause you to pause and think because of this phone call now uh, than anything else that we heard in the testimony. And again, it was he said, she said. But, you know, I don't want to get into the whole Christine Blasey Ford thing. But suffice it to say, suffice it to say that there's a lot of well it's different i mean this this phone call is a big deal i mean to call in to larry king and to to stay anonymous and to basically say your daughter was trying to protect or at least she respected the the person who allegedly did this enough to where she did not want to go out to the media that's the opposite of the coaching that women who bring said allegations against donald trump or republicans get and so you begin to ask why they didn't want to bring this out. Why was, you know, why is there this phone call if it wasn't real? She stayed anonymous. Were they, you know, waiting for something twenty-seven years later to happen? I mean, it's it's nonsensical to even to think in those terms. But I'm sure someone's out there trying to concoct some cockamamie explanation for this. Anyway, Democrats, some are actually calling for Biden, believe it or not, to drop out of the race, which they've wanted someone besides Biden from the beginning anyway. So I don't want to read too much into that, but we'll talk about that briefly when we get back from the break. But I've got to take a time out. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. We're listening can stop, can stop and even reverse those damaging effects of liberalism. Be back here in just a minute.
Welcome back. I just posted the actual podcast interview. If you want to listen to Tara Reid share her story, her allegations against Joe Biden. And look, I just want to be fair and consistent here. I think the way that we handle this is is vitally important. But the idea, the idea that this is anywhere remotely uh, the same thing as far as how it's been covered, all the stuff, take truth aside from both the allegations, the Christine Blasey Ford allegations against Kavanaugh, Tara Reid's allegations against Joe Biden, take away what you believe about the specifics, take away the details. I'm not minimizing the cases at all. I'm saying let's just let's just look at how this is being covered and reported. And it's clear. I mean, for those who don't think that there is a bias in the media, I mean, it is, it's, it's, it's absolutely laughable to think that just take this as one, it's a microcosm, one little bitty tiny example. And it's, it's, it's obvious. I mean, what they're, what they're trying to do, they care about an issue and this is reprehensible by the way. The media cares about an issue only when, only when it politically helps their their cause. Think about that. You know, they criticize our system of justice, which I'm not saying the way that it's carried out. Our system is fine, but the way that it's carried out sometimes not so fine. Judges doing things they shouldn't do. Jurors doing things they shouldn't do. Uh, decisions and overrulings and all these sorts of things that happen in our justice systems that, that, that needs to be addressed and discussed. But they criticize our system of justice for being sometimes, um, you know, not, not consistent. Well, look in the mirror, media. Look in the mirror and look at how you report these things. Again, to have – just think about this. The How – how completely out of touch with reality one would have to be in the Me Too movement when you're interviewing either Stacey Abrams or Amy Klobuchar or Elizabeth Warren or Gretchen uh, Wilson. I knew I'd do that. What's her Whitmer. Gretchen, I know I was going to do that. Gretchen Whitmer from Michigan. As long as, as long as we allow for that i mean you think about you you have them on your your program and you don't even ask about this when when gender and politics and the me too movement all those things are going on around us you know one of the reasons even though they won't state it at this time because of terry reed but one of the reasons that they that biden wants a political uh, running mate who is a female is because it's it's in the wake of the we, uh, me too movement they need to give uh, women who feel like they've, you know, not uh, th- that this Me Too movement represents the problem, uh, not not just in Washington, but in but in Washington too. They want to be able to give them a, a channel to to say let's 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 symbolically move away from that. Let's involve uh, more women in positions of power so that they aren't in these positions where. Some of these Me Too stories originated, which are uh, men abusing their power, taking advantage of women. This is all kind of a representative reaction to that. And so if, if it has its roots in the Me Too movement to some degree, why not bring up the obvious and talk about this? Why would a woman, why would a woman want to run 
with Joe Biden, given these allegations? I mean, aren't we supposed to believe women? Doesn't that mean immediately that Tara Reid is telling the truth? And if she's telling the truth, why should Biden be president? And why should a, why should a woman um, that we've, you know, we, we've moved that direction politically to elect a woman as president, or in this case, vice president, why should we, why should we think that that woman should run with the person who may have been a Me Too offender? Again, allegedly. These are fair questions. No interest here. That's not in the narrative. They ignore it. If they ignore it, it doesn't exist. If it doesn't exist, they don't have to talk about it. Circular reasoning at its finest. Anyway, that's where we are with the Tara Reid saga. I'm also going to post this intercept story so you can take a look at it as well. But this has been out there now. This has been out there at least... They've been trying to get this this story out. She's been trying to share her story for over a year now. No interest whatsoever. No interest whatsoever. Meanwhile, meanwhile, when Christine Blasey Ford wanted to tell her story, they waited uh, just a, a little bit, a short time, and they waited for such a time where it would have the maximum political impact, even up to the point where Brett Kavanaugh can no longer coach his daughter's Little League basketball team. Because of the allegations made against him, it's reprehensible stuff, and I've got to take a, uh, take a time out. Welcome back. I alluded off the top of the program to just where we stand with reopening. With reopening um, our economies, our state's economies, and again, I'm located in central Indiana. It's a little bit to the south and west of Indianapolis. We're oh, not too far outside. I think we can be downtown in about, uh, I think you can park downtown probably about 35 minutes from where we are. So anyway, um, but Indiana and the region, no matter where you are in the country really, this, um, you know, the the results, the economic impact of what's happening with coronavirus is, of, of course, something that's affected virtually, virtually everyone. I mean, I suppose there's someone in some industry uh, has some job that's largely unaffected. I've got a I've got a buddy that I think would would fall into that that category <clears throat> um, just by the nature of the, the job that, that he has. <clears throat> excuse me is not something that's it, it's kind of recession proof and um it's insulated from a lot of the it's you know someone has to buy what it is that that his company what they provide but that is um that's not the case for most of us i mean a lot of these things that that we consume are discretionary i mean it's not it's not true that we have to buy we don't have to buy. Uh, we don't have to go to restaurants. We don't have to. Might, might be nice to go to restaurants. It is nice. It might be nice to get your hair cut by a professional. But you know, my my wife cut my hair. In fact, she's gonna have to help me again here with my getting my hairs cut. But you know, it's good to go to someone that's been trained to do that. But we find ways to to limp through that. <laughs> and again, it's a some of these things are. Uh, you know, they're, they're all things are not equal. But again, as, as I said from the beginning, as I said from the beginning, it's not really. It's, it's I think looking at it backwards to say you don't need for the government to come in and say you don't need to get your hair cut. 
um, because it's not essential. You need to buy groceries and be able to get pharmace- you know, pharmaceutical drugs if, if you need those for your health. That's really, that's really the only things that the government might tell you, your state might tell you, that are ne- uh, necessary for you, that, that are essential for you. Yeah. Thank you, government, for stepping in to tell me what's essential. But my argument from the beginning has been if I can, if I can maintain social distancing policies and, and guidelines – in a particular, I mean, what's it matter if I'm going to a flower shop to get dry cleaning, picking up groceries? What what business is, a, is it of yours, government? In fact, I would maintain if a business is providing for its, you know, a business owner is providing for his employees, her family, whatever, then that is an essential business. If the free market, if people say, hey, I don't want to go in there because of the risks, okay. But these these shutdown measures have to be very specific, very defined, very justifiable. And when when there's just this almost ambiguous timeline, this never-ending sort of situation that we find ourselves in, no no timetable, no clear steps on when we reopen, what that looks like in some states. I know that we've got the federal guidelines and those have certainly helped push things in the right direction. But we have governors who are just resistant to this. Again, I said Illinois has extended their stay-at-home order through May 31st. Others have done this uh, as well, even extending maybe not the stay-at-home, but shutting things down for long periods of time. I saw Hawaii even has shut down, uh, done a stay-at-home order through May 31st also. Um, And there's not even a large number of cases from what I remember reading here in Hawaii. The point is, the point is is that we've reached this breaking point, so to speak, and we're going to talk next hour. The the experts, I love this, experts have finally figured out that maybe people aren't uh, doing so well with these stay-at-home orders. Maybe they think, maybe people aren't aren't keen on just sitting at home and hunkering down, the phrase I never want to ever hear again. I also don't want to hear, we're all in this together, stay at home and hunker down. Um, and there's another one that, that slips my mind at the moment. But anyway, the experts are just now figuring out that people are not hip to just sitting at home, twiddling their thumbs, waiting for them to give the all clear that it's time to reopen the economy. And this is going to get become a bigger and bigger problem the longer that this goes on, especially when we see other states begin to poke their heads out from their foxholes. So that being said, got to take a time out, wrap up. You're listening to the home of conservative.bettertalk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. The waning moments of this program today, but I do have just have one question in closing as we're talking about Tara Reid. Where is the media? Where is the media on Tara Reid's allegations against Joe Biden? I'm starting to think. <clears throat> I'm starting to think that the media only cares about reporting on allegations of potential Me Too um, importance, Me Too allegations, if they are made against Republicans. Starting to seem that way, right? Starting to seem starting to seem that way as I forgot to put the video back on. But 
Anyway, that is, um, again, reprehensible. It shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter, but it does. Everything is political. Everything is political. Everything is political. So, wrapping up hour number one, join me in hour two. See you in a minute. SDG.